Hello and a very warm welcome to Bergos Now. My name is Aurelia Rauch and my guest today is Till Christian Budelmann. Hi Till. Hi Aurelia. Till, let's dive right in. What are we going to talk about today? Yeah, I thought uh, today we should spend two minutes to talk about German politics. Okay. More precisely, um, we should talk about the probabilities of a Laschet, respectively a Baerbock chancellorship. Sure. And then we should talk probably 10 times as long about U.S. politics. More precisely, we should evaluate the first 100 days of the Biden presidency. I would love that. And as chance has it, actually, we're taping this on Thursday, uh, which marks the exact 100th day of the Biden presidency. It, it's exactly. so very, very fitting topic. Um, our dear listeners will receive this probably on the 101st day of the Biden presidency. But we're going to take a look at Germany first. Do you want to start with that? Yes. Um, I don't want to bother you all um, with a recap of all the events in German politics over the last weeks. It is probably enough to simply state that first, a woman became the candidate for the Greens, Annalena Baerbock, and second, that Wolfgang Schäuble was the most powerful person in Germany in those days and that you have to be grateful for him for preventing Söder or the exact opposite, mm -hmm. depending on how you feel about the gentleman within the CDU-CSU. Mm -hmm. And of course, as you all know, we are completely unbiased and simply look at the facts, probabilities and implications. Okay, Till, and I'm going to throw something, no pun intended, in the mix here, which is our prediction market mix. Um, and eventually I would like to just know what the predictions are um, there. However, I would love to mention really quickly that, well, I mean, we were kind of right, right? The, mm. the Greens and also when it comes to Laschet Söder, um, in advance, the prediction were correct. So, and often actually against uh, popular opinion displayed in many media outlets. So I think it's a rightful question to chain on then. Um, how, what is our prediction market mix saying now? It's nice that you mention that, uh, Aurelia. And, and with regard to the question of who will succeed Merkel, our call as of today is, and of course much too early, that the probability that it will be Armin Laschet in the end is significantly higher than the probability that there will be a Chancellor, Annalena Baerbock. Hmm. Okay. And of course, I know that if you are consuming a German mainstream media or if you had a look uh, at the uh, latest surveys, you would think it is exactly the other way around. Mm. But we come to these uh, implicit probabilities as we leave out all the emotions and noise from the media and simply do the math. Yeah, a very sober approach. To, but those were your two minutes of German politics. Let's now look towards the United States. Yeah. And uh, today, and you already said it, we are taping this on Thursday, mm -hmm. uh, marks the 100th day of Joe Biden's presidency. And as such, I think it's time for us to take a step back and to evaluate what we have learned so far. I would love that. And of course, uh, today I'm still under the impression of the State of the Union-like joint session of Congress speech by mm -hmm. Biden last mm -hmm. night, yep. which was, by the way, more or less in line with our expectations. 
But coming back to the 100-day mark, of course, such a 100-day mark of a presidency is arbitrary and not necessarily indicative of how a presidency will be remembered. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it can offer a window into a president's priorities and governing strategy or simply underscore possible problems. And for Biden, the circumstances have been particularly challenging given the unprecedented problems posed by COVID. Yeah. Uh, no question about it. Of course. And his topics so far have been mainly COVID-related. Correct. Uh, much of his first 100 days focused on getting Americans relief and trying to stimulate the economy through a massive 1.9 trillion COVID-19 aid package. Yeah in addition to ramping up vaccination efforts. Mm. And uh, the mentioned package is massive, more than twice the size of the stimulus bill passed in Barack Obama's early days. You will, re you will remember the, the Great Recession of 2009. Mm -hmm. And the 1.9 trillion bill is big, obviously, it's important. Although I would not uh, rank it as important as Obamacare or the Trump tax bill, because so many of the provisions are temporary and may not be renewed. Yeah. But the federal government's distribution of COVID-19 vaccines at such an accelerated pace yeah. and moving to expand eligibility as quickly as it has mm -hmm. is probably the most important thing any president has done since George W. Bush's actions in the aftermath of 9-11. So to put it in a nutshell, the presidency of Joe Biden was built on a straightforward foundation, putting COVID-19 shots in arms <laughs> and stimulus checks in the bank. Mm. So COVID in general has been the big topic so far, no question about it. It's hard not to think about how Biden has handled the crisis when we talk about his first 100 days in office. And his marks are just so much higher than Trump's ever were. 62% mm. on average approve of Biden's leadership on this issue, whereas Trump never quite cracked 50% mm. regarding his corona management. Mm -hmm. And stepping back from these concrete numbers and observations till into a bit of an abstract view onto the Biden pre presidency, pardon. Um, how are you seeing sort of the general direction he's taking yeah that's a big question and i could speak for hours about that but <laughs> but let me highlight just a couple of things yeah um biden has shown that he's willing to push for big ambitious proposals mm -hmm. and these proposals show or the fact that he's pushing for it show just how far to the left the democratic party moved during donald trump's presidency mm. I've been surprised by just how much more liberal and populist the Democratic Party is under Biden, the quintessential median Democrat, as we pointed out many times yeah. in this format mm -hmm. over the last year. And I would say the mentioned relief bill has a couple of important symbolic impacts in addition to what it actually would do and will do. Mm. And the same applies regarding his infrastructure plans. There was a lot of discussion about the idea of government being able to do constructive things and uh, shift away from the Reagan uh, doctrine that government is a problem. Um, our listeners will remember the famous Reagan quote 
from January 1981 during his inaugural address when he said, government is not the solution to our problem, government is the problem. Mm. So Biden's big government approach is the total opposite. And if politicians outside the left wing of the Democratic Party begin to really embrace the possibility that government can do good things, mm. big things and good things, that would be a huge change. Mm -hmm. Even Democrats at the presidential level have been hesitant to talk like this for the past 40 years. Even Obama was not as clear as Biden has been so far. Mm -hmm. So this is quite big. But at the same time, there are real questions about what Biden will be able to achieve, given Democrats' ultra-slim majority in Congress. Yeah whether his strategy of passing legislation without trying to win Republican lawmakers' support will backfire, mm -hmm. and how big a roadblock will someone like uh, Joe Manchin be. You will remember, Aurelia, that we were among the first, maybe maybe even the first, at least in Europe, <laughs> to point out that there would be a new King Joe in the Senate. Yeah. And... Um, Yeah, and of course, the United States remain very divided, making Biden's campaign promise of a unity a hard one to achieve. Mm -hmm. And what else have we learned? To quote my favorite U.S. media outlet, The Hill, mm. President Biden's first 100 days in office have been aggressive on policy, but subdued on style. Mm -hmm. And at the risk of annoying our listeners by mentioning Trump again, I think the biggest thing I've learned so far is actually about Trump's legacy, mm. something I've thought quite a bit about. I wasn't sure what the presidency would look like after Trump. And I'm not sure if a relatively quiet leader like Biden, who has been quite restrained in his public communications, was it. It has less to do with Trump It's more about the nature of the presidency. Mm -hmm. And I was somewhat surprised by how clearly the pendulum swung back and by how uneventful and unchaotic this presidency has been so far. Mm -hmm. Biden is proposing huge measures, but he does so with a remarkable calmness. And according to the Washington Post, which has been tracking political appointments in this administration, Biden is the first president in decades to not have a single failed nominee, despite the Senate being divided. Mm. And yes, the White House withdrew its nomination of Neera Tandon as the director of the Office of Management and Budget because of her past comments on Twitter. But even still, this wasn't an all-consuming fight in the way that nominations were all the time during Trump's presidency. Yeah, yeah. And one other thing I've taken from these first 100 days is that Biden didn't believe or wasn't committed to his rhetoric about how the Republicans were going to work with him. He's moving forward on his goals and not desperately chasing Republican votes that aren't likely to come anyway. Mm. So in one sentence, no drama, but also no reach out. <laughs> You mentioned till earlier when, when you spoke about the corona management situation and the approval um, there. When it comes to bigger topics and a general approval uh, for Biden, where, where do we stand there? Yeah, you will remember Trump quickly fell into the mid to low 40s in his early days as president. 
And while Biden's approval rating is not that low, he's hung out mostly in the mid to low 50s, mm -hmm. it does seem as if the honeymoon effect, the period at the start of a president's term when he has a higher than average approval rating, is fading given how polarized our politics are these days and especially in the U.S., Every president going back to Jimmy Carter had an approval rating of around 58% or higher on mm -hmm. day 100 before Trump, who was at 42% on day 100. And Biden is now heading for 53% or so. And um, his approval is basically the exact reverse of Trump's. Biden is in his mid-50s in terms of approval and in the high 30s, low 40s in terms of disapproval. So I can tell if voters like what Biden is actually doing or if basically the people who hated Trump's governing style simply like Biden's and the people who like Trump's governing hate Biden's. And as we know, the pro-Biden, anti-Trump group is a little bit bigger. Yeah. Okay, those are the people, but what about the parties? So what's the situation with Democrats and Republicans? On that point, public opinion about Biden does appear to be even more polarized than early opinion was about Trump, at least according to Gallup. There are stark splits by education, but the most obvious split is still by party identification. Mm -hmm. Democratic approval is in the mid-90s, ultra-high, while approval among Republicans is at or even below 10%. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, that isn't that surprising. Presidents get more support from those in their party. Take Trump, who attracted very high levels of Republican support right. and still does. Uh, but the fact that Biden's approval among Democrats is so high is indicative of just how polarized things are. It's actually slightly higher than, Obama, um, than Obama's approval was in his early days of his presidency, despite the fact that Obama's overall approval was higher than Biden's is right now. So Biden derives more of his overall support from his party base mm -hmm. while also having a lower ceiling of potential backing from Republicans. Right. And it does look that Biden is doing better among independents than Trump did, and hence overall. His policies certainly have more support among Republicans than Trump's did among Democrats. And the question I'm interested in is whether Biden's approval rating will be as completely unresponsive to events as Obama's and especially Trump's were. Mm -hmm. But only time will tell. Yeah, interesting question. And till before I let you go... Um, one question that sort of, I don't know, forces itself almost for me is looking forward and also probably looking back a little bit. What are the biggest challenges for this particular presidency? Where are the hurdles? I think that the controversy surrounding Biden's initial decision to keep Trump's low 15,000 refugee cap was a problem for him. Right. Mm -hmm. Though he later recanted amid the backlash. Biden is clearly caught or seems to be caught between the kind of pragmatic rhetoric of the 80s and 90s mm. that Democrats had on immigration and the more human rights based ideas that have guided the party more recently. Biden's not quite coherent immigration policies suggest that his administration is torn between breaking with a harsh policy 
of the Trump administration mm -hmm. and not seeming too liberal on immigration mm -hmm. um, at the border and with refugees and therefore turning off swing voters. Then um, we have the new timetable tab for getting troops out of Afghanistan. Right. And that underscores, in my opinion, that Democrats might not really have a clear set of policies or principles to guide them on foreign policy. Mm -hmm. The party has gotten more liberal. That's obvious. But what does more liberal mean for Afghanistan? Mm -hmm. uh, foreign policy will be a big topic going forward, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it's obviously a problem that Democrats didn't pick up some of the Senate seats they were hoping to win back in November. You will remember we we analyzed this intensely. Um, I'm thinking about the seats from North Carolina or Maine. Yes. They were obviously never going to get a 60-seat filibuster-proof majority, but the slim majority they have now is clearly a problem for them yeah. in the Senate and in the House. Mm -hmm. And the inability or unwillingness by the Democrats to change the filibuster rules combined with the GOP's opposition to Biden's goals means that Biden is likely to get almost nothing done on gun policy, voting rights, and maybe not even on climate change, healthcare, and permanent economic policy. Mm -hmm. And uh, the mentioned Senator Manchin from West Virginia and Senator Kirsten Sinema from Arizona basically decide the Democrats' agenda because they are the 49th and 50th vote in the Senate. And that is a huge roadblock to some of the things Biden wants to do. Mm -hmm. And that backs what we at Bergos published just one day after the election in early November 2020 uh, to quote, a Biden presidency provides for a more conventional foreign and trade policy And thanks to the narrow distribution of seats in Congress, dramatic shifts in tax policies will be prevented. End of quote. So for me, it came as no surprise that the S&P has rallied since Election Day. The outcome of the U.S. presidential elections could have been much worse for markets. And the same is true regarding the first days of Joe Biden as a new president of the United States. A wonderful last sentence. Thank you so much, Tim. Thank you. And we thank you so much for listening. As always, we wish you a pleasant weekend and a successful week until we hear each other again here with Bergos Now next Friday. Bye-bye.